Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Still Giggs goes. He's through. He scored. Ryan Giggs. He's at the goal. That's played for Manchester United. Right footed. It's a clear header. And it's into the net. Zucker has won the European Cup for Manchester United. Hello, welcome to the Strategycast. My name is Dale O'Donnell, your host this week, and I suppose in comparison to last week's podcast, it's going to be much more downbeat. Unfortunately, United went out, went to Brighton, lost three two. Um, very disappointing performance. Even worse was the attitude shown by some of the players on the pitch, um, and even worse again afterward after the game. Only four to seventeen bothered their arse to thank the fans for their long distance travel um, the rest straight into the dressing room pretty much showed they didn't really care um, and Mourinho was left dealing with the media picking up the pieces so we'll get into that shortly first I'm going to introduce the panel um, Raman you were there yesterday briefly yes. touch on, on your on your on your trip to the game yes uh, hi everyone um, yeah yesterday was just a uh, uh, a nightmare, nightmare performance, terrible result. Irrespective of the distance travelled, I thought the lack of respect shown by quite a few of the players, which you've just uh, pointed out a little bit there, uh, was uncalled for. Um, irrespective, as I say, whether it's a, a 20 mile trip or a 203, 400 mile trip, um, you know, a little bit of respect should be shown by the players for the uh, travelling fans in particular. Um, just an appalling, appalling performance. I think De Gea aside, once again, uh, for the umpteenth time in I don't know how many seasons, uh, there wasn't much positives that I could really speak about. Yeah, and I suppose it, there is that added frustration, Ramon, when you do travel such a long distance. Um, and not just the performance, but 
I don't think you'd mind so much to be unlucky and lose a game like that if you've seen the players in the pitch with a different attitude, with more drive, and they're wanting to put things right. And after the game, you know, I'm one that I, 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 I don't obsess over haircuts, social media activity, that's the way players are. Years ago, these people that are criticising players doing that nowadays were excessive drinkers while they were playing. You know, there's a bit of a difference there, but yet they're still very critical of players' activity on social media. But what does annoy me is after the game, the, 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 it's the same all, same all over again. Oh, we'll try to do better next time. We'll fight together. Blah, pop up a big post up, big sympathetic post. We're sick of that. Let's see on the pitch. Put away the phones. Put away social media telling us it's going to get better because we're not seeing evidence of that. Um, P- Paul, you, you wrote a piece this morning for the blog on the game. Obviously, you're, you're putting a lot of it down to the, the lack of summer activity. Um, Woodward not delivering to Mourinho but is it more than that because obviously addition to the squad would enhance the team but the, the players that we've we seen yesterday aren't a bad bunch of players you know like why, why aren't they clicking well first of all um, I just want to thank you for having me on Dale it's uh, yeah, pleasure. really pleasure to make my debut on the cast um, I wish it would have been in far better circumstances but it is what it is mm. Um, to get to your questions um, you're absolutely right we do have uh, world class players at our disposal, high quality players proven in the Premier League Um, and as much as I put it down to the lack of summer activity um, I mean we saw yesterday it was blatantly obvious that United missed a leader at the back Um, that said uh, you still got the likes of Lukaku, um, De Gea, Pogba all these players have graced the World Cup this summer. They know what it's like to play on the biggest stage. Um, you know, the characters in the dressing room as well. Um, you've got Michael Carrick as the assistant manager now, who's sort of a connection between uh, the playing side the major and major connection, yeah. The, the staff side now. So um, you can you can say it does come down to character. These guys know what sort of character is required to, to cut it at Manchester United. Um, but we just did not see that yesterday. Mm. Um, and don't get me wrong, you can you can um, take losing a match. It's it's the nature of football. You're bound to lose football matches at some stage. But the manner with which United lost yesterday was particularly um, sickening from watching it on the, on the TV. Um, I, I feel sorry for Raman who made the trip to Brighton um, all, all that way for the sort of lack of heart, lack of guts lack of passion and effort it just um, it was a hard watch yesterday I can't, com- um, I can't confirm but watching some of Raman's videos in the bus that there was there was no lack of character um, on the way to the game and I suppose <laughs> that is one of the, the bright sparks or br- bright parts of travelling following your team is you meet great people and you have great fun together it's all, it's all part of the experience but as Paul alludes to when you get to the game eventually and the, and the players just are so half-arsed about their performance, it's, it's, it's so disrespectful to, to the travelling fans that put their hard-earned money together to get to that game. Um, their time, time as well, you know, and it's part and parcel of being a fan, but you just, you'd like a bit more respect from, from the players that um, they wear that red shirt. But, but something Paul alludes to, Mike, I know we haven't had you on the podcast yet, this season either and hope you're well and hope that move to London is going to plan 
But when when we talk about the players' attitude and, and, and the way did they really want it, you know, this this Brighton team is nowhere near as good on paper as this Manchester United team. And is it down to Mourinho maybe not motivating his players enough? Because the manager's job is to motivate the players and get the best out of them. And you look at the past few years, Spurs haven't spent much money and Pochettino continuously progresses this team of players and is getting the best out of them. And is keeping the likes of Harry Kane and Deli Alli in there at Spurs. Mourinho, on the other hand, has spent lots of money, is mourning about not being able to spend more money, and he's not getting the best out of the world-class players like Pogba, Alexa Sanchez, um, and so on. Do you believe it's down to the manager not more than players, Mike? Well, of course. I mean, the manager, when you have such a mass, sort of, um, a mass switch-off, which is all I can describe that performance yesterday, the manager has to take some responsibility. It's a collective responsibility, though, as well. The players were a thunder in disgrace mm. in that game yesterday. I mean, they really were. I mean, if they've got issues with the manager, that's understandable considering how the manager has conducted himself for the best part of the last year. But you don't play those um, issues out on the field by what felt like they were throwing the game at times. I mean, uh, it, uh, Pogba will get the brunt of the criticism, but Danny Murphy highlighted a match today. Pogba was at least trying to make things happen yeah. and he at least did come out and front up to the media afterwards. Yeah. So whenever you think of Pogba and the power plays that are clearly going on between him and Mourinho, and clearly there is some sort of a power struggle, um, Pogba is clearly postured to say, well, I'm going to be at this club longer than you are. Well, that, he I, is I think next... that yesterday was the first time that I've ever seen Pogba after the game. And take, he didn't just he, he took collective responsibility, which I really liked, and it was a sign of maturity um, from him. You know, he's come back from the World Cup. We've seen the videos of him speaking to players and motivating players and being a leader. But... That's fine off the pitch and it looks great. It doesn't, I can't see it on the pitch. I can't see Pogba leading. Being I, th- I, think, I think Pogba's problem is that when things aren't going well, he almost tries too hard yeah, and that's yeah. where the mistakes come in. And I think that was what happened yesterday. As Danny Murphy said, he never shied away from trying to get hold of the ball yesterday. But, the, the, you know, but he, he was, uh, you look at the lack of help from players around him. I mean, that's a, those midfielders that are on there were good players, but there's not much balance to that midfield at all. Um, Andres Pereira is not a holding midfield player. He just isn't. I mean, we all know he's not. We've seen this guy play. It was, you know, that would have really... I don't know if McTominay's not fit, but that probably would have been a game for him to him to play, you know, away from home. Just sit and screen the defence. I, I want to get Raman's views on, on Pereira because we discussed him last week and I was really, really impressed by what he did on the tour and the game against Leicester. And I know he was pulled off at half-time um, against Brighton, but I thought it was a strange decision because we briefly mentioned in the podcast last week how, how quick, when, when Pereira gets the ball, how quick he is to get that ball forward and he's always looking for that forward pass. And although things didn't go to plan for him in the first half, I was thinking that if we still, if we still need that goal, which we did, we need to find a comeback, he's not a player to be taken off because he's, he's making those passes from a deep position, which I think is needed. And he was taken off for two attacking players to fill in attacking positions. Um, Raman, do you think he was, he was terrible yesterday? Do you think that it rules there any chance he has of playing that role once Maddich comes in? And do you think he should have come off that early? I certainly don't think he should have come off that early. 
Um, I agree, Mike. He's definitely not a, a defensive or a holding midfielder as such, and he's always been very attacking over the years in the uh, academy and reserves, and obviously when he went to Valencia as well on loan. But yesterday, of course, he had uh, you know moments where obviously his errors uh, were exposed. But let's face it, none of the midfielders are great. I think he was unlucky to be hauled off, if I'm honest with you. I thought, uh, Fred, I don't want to be too critical of, of obviously, his uh, second start for uh, for United in the Premier League. So it's always going to be difficult to try to adapt to different systems, everything. I actually thought Pogba was the weaker one out of all of them, in in, in all honesty, in the first half. Uh, it gave the ball away so often. Whilst I appreciate, obviously, you've got ex-pros saying, yes, but he's always wanting the ball, he's always willing. And he came out afterwards... Yeah, captain of Manchester United. You know, you you're the captain of Manchester United, and you've come out to face the media. Um, yeah, absolutely, take on board your responsibility. But then to come out, and I'm sorry if I'm digressing, by the way, but to come out and say attitude wasn't right, my attitude wasn't right. I was absolutely furious and livid when I read those comments. Me too. Pereira's Pereira is a young guy who. Yes, he obviously made a particular mistake, which I, I saw afterwards. I didn't quite obviously see the replays as such whilst at the game. But I said last week, didn't I, Dale? Bayern mm-hmm. Lindelof. And even on the coach back yesterday, everyone saying, Bayern's our best defender. No, he's not. In my opinion, he's not. Just watch his positional sense in terms of even receiving the ball from De Gea. I watched it in the second half very closely because obviously uh, where we were sat, um, you know, we were defending from that side. Even receiving the ball from De Gea, this guy, I'm sorry to say, he's not a world-class defender. He's not a world-class defender whatsoever. Uh, hang, and whilst, hang on. Whilst, it, I, you know, whilst I appreciate Mourinho's had those buyers, Baye and Lindelof in particular, sometimes you have to hold your hands up high as a manager and say, they're not really working out. That's why I think Mourinho's getting frustrated by the whole situation. I think he recognised that our defence is not good enough. I need somebody. But... You know, and I do apologise I've digressed, but going back to the Pereira situation, I don't think he should have been hauled off that quickly. Um, if anything, he could have probably shielded Fred a bit more and maybe taken him off after about 55, 60 minutes. Yeah. If you really wanted to keep Pogba yeah, on. Yeah, definitely. You know, if you really wanted to keep Pogba on and, and almost say that, yeah, we're, we're still a happy camp. Pereira didn't do much more wrong other than obviously that particular first goal where I think, uh, looking back, he's... You know, he was also part of the uh, part of the actual motion where obviously they did score. You know, in the ball, I was surprised very much so by the mistakes collectively. To be fair, Mike, you want to say about the Bali view of me? I mean, who do you think? Sorry, Raman, who do you think is our best defender? I really don't think we've got very good defenders. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to say with Lindelof. To be fair, it's hard to say with Lindelof because we've seen so little of him. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Whenever I saw him, when I saw him in the World Cup, he actually looked really good. Um, he had that established player beside him, Bodensky, at the World Cup in Andreas Granquist. So this stems back to yeah, my original point. There was consistency there as well. I mean, Bay and Lindelof barely played together. They yeah. barely ever played together. Mm-hmm. I think they played together before the Leicester game. They played about 150 minutes together yeah. or something like that. Yeah. It's not even four matches. Of course, those mistakes are going to be made. What I don't understand is why, you know, this is, if I'm to play devil's advocate, if you're Ed Woodward, you're thinking, 
I'm sorry, I just gave this guy 60 million mm. to spend mm. two and yeah. a half, which he went and did. And now he's turning around and telling me they're not good enough. And I'm like, but you you wanted yeah. these guys. You told me to get these guys for you. know, you're saying they're not good enough and you expect me to give you more money for a guy who's going to give us absolutely no financial return should we sell him in Toby Alderweireld. He's about 30 years old. As brilliant as he is, like, I don't... You can understand where the board is coming from, although the question is why the board even allowed it to get to this point in the first place. I'm sure we'll get onto that soon enough. It's just something that Paul touched on there. I want Paul to elaborate on because I thoroughly agree. It reminds me of Johnny Evans when he came into the team first and he had Vidic and Rio to, to play alongside. I think it was Vidic primarily at the start. And they went on a really, really good run together. And then when Vidic and Rio retired, moved on or slowed down Evans was almost expected to be that figure and he wasn't ready for it yet and he took the blunt of that, was sold when Small and Jones were continuing to be given all these opportunities they nearly racked up 600 appearances for United which I think is a fucking joke for starters um, but my point is <laughs> Evans had those key figures alongside him, experience and when they moved on, there was n- there was no figure like that, and I think right now Balium and Lindelof, are two young centre halves too, and that's where Toby Alderweireld would have came in with his experience and made a big difference. That's why absolutely I w- agree. I w- absolutely, yeah. I wasn't too keen on on Yerry Mina or even Harry Maguire because they haven't got that experience. You're buying the same thing again. You're buying a prospect, but just that experience being a Laurent Blanc to iron out that these defenders um, to tell Bali sometimes look you don't need to be so rash stop jumping in stay on your feet little things like that like Tony Adams gave a great, great quote to a piece in the Independent or Telegraph last season about when he was playing with Arsenal and they knew in the first 10-15 minutes if this opposition was going to give it to Arsenal or not and he tell the other defenders to step up 15 yards or 10 yards or whatever that's, that's the experience this United defence lacks it lacks that figure to tell the other defenders in the forum when to step up, when to stick tight. Or I was, just thinking, Go I was ahead. just thinking that first goal, Dale, um, the way Murray stole the march on Lindelof on his blind side. He, he just stepped across him, didn't he? Um, and Lindelof didn't see him. I just think yeah. a, a guy of Alderweireld's class, or even a Maguire, for instance, good readers of the game, they would be able to sniff out that danger. Um, and that goal obviously wouldn't have happened. But we knew, we knew, we knew we needed that two years ago. So why, why, why didn't he do that then? I just don't understand. He, why did he decide to spend thirty million on Eric Bailly? Why did he then go to one side and spend another thirty million on Victor Lindelof? We knew this already. And this is this is where the argument really comes in for why the club should have brought in the director of football about five years ago. We could have identified this and done something about it. But at the very least, if you don't if you don't have the, those specific players, what you need to do is try and set up your team in a way to cover those weaknesses. When Conte went in his first season at Chelsea, after a few months, he realised he couldn't play a back two because he didn't have the players to play a back two. So he switched to a back three to cover for the flaws of the, play, the defenders that he had. And it was a system that worked. Mourinho doesn't seem as willing to do that. 
can can I just can I just sort of step in if that's okay? I think you have made a very valid point there. Conte switched to the three five two after getting beaten in the first, I think, one or two games, wasn't it? I think. Yeah. And he quickly home. decided that yeah, he quickly decided that, that I haven't got the the players at my disposal to play what I really want, so I think I need to switch it. So yeah, absolutely point taken. With regards to director of football, now this is a bit of an interesting one. When Javier Ribalta obviously came, uh, you know, everybody thought, great. You know, we've got somebody who's going to be heading up our scouting missions in Europe. The fact that he's just left recently, I know this might sound like a bit of a side issue, but actually I think it's connected. Why has he left? This is somebody who was... Apparently apparently the reason he left was he wasn't allowed to carry out his duties like he would have liked. He was being pulled back. Correct. Bottom. And so, yeah. so, so that, I think what you're getting to, Ram, and I'll let you carry on, are you getting to the fact that a director of football is great in theory, but will he be let do his job like what you alluded to, the scout that came you, in, wasn't allowed? You've read, my, you've read my mind absolutely spot on there, Dale, because I, I was, I was going to say this last week in the podcast, and I was just waiting, I was itching for this week to come, because that point that you guys just made there regarding, obviously, you know, why isn't it being addressed, why is it... Look, every manager can have a buy where it doesn't work out. Fergie's done it umpteen times. Wenger's done it. Yeah, and, you know, but by to be fair, uh, was it in terms of obviously his age, what we were hoping to get out of him, and probably still can. By the way, you know, there's no reason why you can't, right? But what I would say is, I agree, Dale. I would have paid whatever it cost because we were we were just struggling to get somebody who's an experienced, cool head, whilst I appreciate uh, Toby Adewar at his 29, I think it is. Yeah. And obviously you wouldn't get much in terms of, you know, resale value, etc. I appreciate that. But that experience alongside somebody like Bailly or even Lindelof, whoever it might have been, Rocco when he's back from injury or, you know, that's absolutely invaluable. The point is that we had somebody in place last year who I think could have been very, very effective for United. It sort of tells me a little bit about the fact that he may have looked at the job and thought, you aren't letting me do what I want to, Mr Woodward. And the Glazers, actually, now I've seen what it's really like working with you guys uh, behind the scenes. Uh, Thanks, but no thanks. Mm. So any director of football that comes in, whether it's Zidane as the next manager, whatever it might be, I'm not really, you know, I'm not going to go down that street just yet. Personally, I think uh, whilst Jose's got his detractors, I think there's a lot of things that actually any other weaker manager would have buckled under anyway. Mm. Player power, all that. There's plenty of pointers here that that tell me that it's a collective thing that actually whoever comes in, director of football, manager, whatever, is going to struggle with this current regime. The current regime is very restrictive. It's the best in the business commercially. But I'm sorry, off-field... This could have been sorted in the last couple of years if somebody had been given the, the free reins to do what they want, how they want, because we're Manchester United, we're the biggest club in the world. Well, let's act like it. No, no, absolutely. And just something before we go on to speak about Spurs, because you touched on it in last week's podcast when we were previewing the Brighton game we were going through what we thought, the opposition and so on. You mentioned key factors that you didn't really care about what Brighton had to offer. You wanted Man United to go out and play their own game and just to blast them off the pitch base, do their own thing, they have the players to do it. They didn't do that. Again, we went away and we played 
basically to the opposition strengths. We didn't grow to, to blast them, and, and they took advantage of that. Like, wh- when is that going to stop? Because, uh, as, uh, as you just mentioned, there, Man- we're Manchester United. We shouldn't be going t- to Brighton concerned about how they play. They should be terrified of how we play. And on, on Sky Sports yesterday, Domain Defoe said that nowadays it's it's not the same animal. You, you don't, you're not terrified before you play Manchester United. And how is how is Mourinho, or is is Mourinho the right man to change that to, to bring that fear factor back? Because while we're playing this conservative brand of football, I don't think it's going to send shivers down the spine of opposition. It's going to make us hard to beat when when as the season goes on and the players get more comfortable. We will be hard to beat. Is that good enough for Manchester United, Ram? It's not, but. I'm just going to go back to that same point again, and and it does sort of mix in with what I was going to try and say earlier, is that if Jose could have a defence that he trusts, like he started to trust a little bit at Real Madrid, okay, albeit he had problems afterwards with Ramos and Ronaldo, but here's a guy who at Real Madrid was breaking records in terms of goals scored, chances created, assists, he turned Ozil into somebody who the hierarchy at Real Madrid were thinking this guy is not good enough for, for Real Madrid into an assist king. He'd done yeah. the same at Inter Milan. He could still do the same here. If he trusted his defence, I think he would let the players off the leash. He would let the likes of Lukaku, Sanchez, whether it's Martial, Pogba, Lingard, all of them, Rashford. I think he would let them off the leash. But to be fair, how many games have we had whilst he's been in charge where... Actually, some of the goals that are conceded have nothing to do with tactics, have mm-hmm. nothing to do with the way we've been set up. They it's are individual ad- Absolutely. Absolutely. So many. You can't blame Jose Mourinho for a five-yard misplaced pass or a ten-yard misplaced pass or a decision where, you know, on the field, as a professional, it doesn't matter who you're playing for, you should be able to make those decisions on field. Mm. Of course he can. Of course he can still turn things around, but it's a collective thing where the players have got to step up their game as well. You know the lack of concentration, poor passing, poor decision making. It's just not good enough from professional footballers. I mean, Mourinho is not openly going out before kickoff and telling Eric Bailly to uh, hastily kick the ball out for a corner or make a last ditch challenge on the wrong side. Do you know what I mean? You can't right. legislate for those sort of mistakes on the pitch. Um, players have to take ownership of their game once they're on the pitch. The manager can only do so much. But I, I refer back to Mike's point earlier. There is a joint responsibility as a collective, but um, Mourinho can do all the planning in the world. But that goes out the window when Bayi and Lindelof are making those sort of mistakes. No, no, absolutely. And just just before we move on, move on to that preview for the Spurs game, um, the four players that, that came out after the game to applaud the fans, Jesse Lingard, Ashley Young... I believe Lukaku was there, and Luke Shaw. Is that the four, Raman, that you see? Yeah, that's right. I mean, that, yeah. that's the ones I saw. You yeah. know, uh, Lukaku, even though he didn't come directly, completely at all, you know, right close to us, but he absolutely came in our direction, applauded. Yeah. From what I could see, Pogba was the first down the tunnel. Um, <laughs> surprise, surprise. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, Jesse and, and Marcus, I think they've always been fantastic, to be fair. Yeah. As has Ashley Young, and I have to say, yeah. you know, credit to him. Luke Shaw also came over. Five, now, yeah. It, yeah, now, to, to me, you know, I just, I don't think that some of those players have got got it within themselves 
Dale, look, let's face it. If you're a manager of, of, of a firm or a company, yeah, and you've got to try and motivate your staff and your team, you're not going to see eye to eye with every single individual. Yeah. So then in the end, in whatever profession, it comes down to you as well, personally. I don't I don't particularly enjoy my 9 till 5.30 job. You know, I don't particularly agree with what my manager says. But when it comes to it, I have to produce. Yeah. I have to produce. Same as these players. They have what to produce. happens if you don't produce? Well, you know, either, either you walk yeah. and find another job. You know, or in some companies, you know, the manager has to have a chat with you and say, listen, you know, this isn't good enough. You know, right. either you're, you're going or what I don't like, to be fair, is where I can smell is, is a bit of that player power thing coming in, which I think uh, one of you guys mentioned earlier, this was like similar to his tenure at Chelsea. You know, some players started undermining. I can smell that coming. I can smell that and coming. That, I think it's that, been that, like, that's a big concern. Yeah. And that's a concern, massive it's concern. It's from pre-season, really, hasn't it? With all the, the negativity that stemmed from pre-season. And it seems to have manifested into the current season. I mean, we were all relatively optimistic after the Leicester game. There were some promising signs, but then it's just all blown into air after a, after one defeat. And, and it was coming, to be honest. And we, we should have expected that this would sort of happen, this sort of reaction. Because it wouldn't take much to light the fuse after what had happened in pre-season. So... It's not come as a total surprise to me. I don't know about you guys. No, but look, that that's the start of the season. And, you know, although I was pessimistic during the pre-season tour, there was part of me, as we were about to kick off the season against Leicester, the opener, it was just this kind of weird feeling that you just have to be optimistic as a fan starting a new season. No matter what's happened behind the scenes, you just have to try and have that small hint of optimism. And I had that again after Leicester, and to be honest, it it's completely gone. Not gone, not gone because of the result, um, not really gone because of the performance, but gone because of the attitude. Um, that that that's the worst part for me. I I'll take a, a bad defeat. I'll take a defeat to Brighton away, or I'll even take. We don't like losing to Liverpool, but I'll take it. But it's when you see. The half hours display from the, the players. Have, yeah, that's that's the worst thing. And like we're going to go into the, the Spurs game now. And question from Mike straight away is: How are you going to change this in the space of a week to get the players firing for for Spurs? Because realistically, if if they're not, if they haven't got in them to do in the second week of the season, you know, they they should be encouraged a new season, a fresh start to get the ball rolling again, challenge City if they can. Two weeks into the season, it's as if they look cooked already. And we're playing Spurs next in a week's time on Monday night. How is Mourinho going to get the players to give him a lift? What what, what can he do? Will he do it? Is he able to do it anymore? I'm not. Uh, this isn't an anti-Mourinho thing, but we are into our third season under under I think one of the greatest managers in the world right now. And I'm not seeing anything to suggest what he did during his ten year first ten year at Chelsea, his unbelievable time at Inter Milan. and as Raman suggested too, it is a collective thing, but if we're like this now, what's the point? There's nothing to be encouraged well, by. Well it doesn't help that he's been basically calling all these players shit for the last year. <laughs> I mean that's not it's not helping, is it? Because that's essentially what he's been doing. I mean 
I've written a piece which will be going out later today, and I trace this basically drawn-out implosion back to the game at Anfield last season when Liverpool were there for the taking. We were playing well, and rather than going for a win, he set the team out to play for a goalless draw. And I think ever since then, that was when the team started to to sort of degrade, really, and that was when players started to to... Listen, I'm not defending the players. I really rather they didn't play out this problem that they have with the manager so publicly. Um, much as it wasn't right when the Chel- when Chelsea players did it, and it wasn't right when Real Madrid players did it at the back it, end. It, it's happened with this group of players before because remember the fright Van Gaal got against Leicester when they made that dramatic comeback. I was um, just thinking the <laughs> Van Gaal's attitude towards English football and the way he set up after that. Dramatically changed, uh, and as well, I think he suffered a big defeat. Yeah, but, but United, United were winning. United were winning going into yeah. Liverpool. Game. You're talking about Van Hal reacted to just a, a mental game. That that mm. game was bananas. You know, that yeah. was a game where we were three one up, and then we just completely capitulated because we put out a let's be honest, a wildly imbalanced team. We were winning games like by three and four goals going into the Liverpool game, and Liverpool. Hadn't really clicked into gear. They were defensively they did later on. But yeah, they were. They didn't have Virgil Van Dijk then, and yeah. they don't certainly didn't have the kind of midfield that they have this season, where you have people like Fabino and Cater. You know, they were there for the taking. That was a chance to really put one over on a rival top four team in the early stage of the season and cement a marker. And he was just interested in going up and setting a nil-nil draw and. When he was at Real Madrid, I think it was the second leg of the Champions League semi-final against Barcelona. They were losing after the first leg, so they needed to go out and go for it in that second leg. And he turned around to the players, and his instructions before the game was, uh, just make sure you don't concede. And that was all he gave to them. And he put Pepe as a defensive midfielder, and everyone just looks around like, what in the world... What are we supposed to do with this? We need to win. This is Barcelona. It's the Champions League semi-final. And I think that is... I don't think Mourinho is proactive. He's never been proactive, but he was brilliant in that era where you had people like him and Benitez and kind of, you know, it was power and it was physicality and, and things have changed a little bit. They have look, shifted look, a little look, bit. They've shifted to more attacking style of football and yeah. I don't think he, um, he can shift with that. Well, nice. he's, he's clearly shown with, with the way he plays football that the, the modern trend right now we, we see it in England you know it's right in front of our eyes with Pochettino, Klopp and Guardiola and they're not all playing the same type type of attack in football but they press um, it's the polar opposite to what Mourinho does and it, it's, it's can I just add a point on this yeah, yeah. By, by the way Tottenham are, Tottenham are a very good defensive team as well yeah of course they are yeah Paul walk away well, it's something that's been referred to since, ever since Fergie retired, really. And, and I saw Paul Scholes put, make a point in the week that he, he doesn't have a clue from one week to the other what Manchester United's identity is. I just want to put it to you guys. like We know the way City, Liverpool, Spurs play. Uh, we're getting a glimpse of how Chelsea and Arsenal are going to be playing. But I still don't think United have that identity. No. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, they, they, they haven't. And uh, look, it's clear. It's been said... By a number of reporters, Mourinho does not do attack and coaching. And uh, do you know what? 
I'd love to hear someone argue that point because when I watch United you know, and I seen it yesterday and even when we win games it's the exact same they get into that final third and the players look clueless clueless they, they haven't a clue um, what way to attack a side or break a side down and a lot of the time when you see 30 minutes to go you bring on Marilyn Flynn who didn't get served yesterday by the way so it was pointless bringing him on but you bring him on and the approach then is to hump the ball forward now I know Duffy and centre back at Brighton I've yeah. watched him a number of times Republic of Ireland I've seen him live he loves nothing more than that 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 that's what he does he clears balls with his head essentially. yeah and it would, would play play into their hands whereas you you, you you watch Pochettino's teams Klopp's teams Guardiola's teams break teams down the fluid F- fluid good. yeah we are so that's the word that's exactly what, we're so rigid um, and it look People will say this in this podcast. Oh, you don't you don't talk so furiously like this when when we win games. But to be honest, if you listen, listen we we do because the football isn't great. I'm happy if we're winning. Don't get me wrong. But again, I'm just not seeing those signs of progression, identity, which which you kind of expect to see when a manager's in his third year in charge. Ramon, um, we play Spurs this weekend. Do you ever watch Spurs thinking? I'd love to see you track the football that Old Trafford again. Well, of course. Um, certainly don't enjoy watching what, what we're witnessing the last couple of seasons, but Spurs are uh, uh, very good on the eye. Um, and again, they seem to have the, the players who can dictate the tempo of the game much better, and they are better at moving the ball, especially in the final third. Um, but I've always said, and, and I said last week as well, we have the players we're obviously not doing it in the way we should. And yet, on that side, I think you have to point the finger at Jose for that. Um, they are going to be very, very difficult to to stop from uh, creating chances, Spurs are. And it's going to be even more difficult, the fact that, I said last week, Madison for uh, Leicester created problems for Bailly and Lindelof. After yesterday's shambolic performance, you know, the, the Tottenham forwards, not just Harry Kane, by the way, I'm on about even the... The supporting acts like Ericsson and, and Ali, they'll be licking their lips, thinking, yeah. can't wait to get stuck into these guys. You know, it's a very, very different approach to yesterday because you've got a team here who can hurt you from left, right, or centre. You know, yesterday, I think that was an absolute appalling, abysmal performance. If any of that lack of concentration goes into the Spurs game, expect to be punished. You know, um, it's it's a it's a bit of a concern. Yeah, no, definitely agree with all that. Um, and, and and you mentioned last week that we shouldn't be going into games, kind of fearing the opposition and what they can do and their strong points. But I think it's a little bit different when you're playing Spurs as opposed to Brighton, who who have um, really really threatening players for Harry Kane, Deli Ali. Ericsson can knock a defence. Um, Mike, when you look at this Spurs team after the, the defeat to, to Brighton, <laughs> can you be optimistic going into this game? Well, it's, it's difficult, especially if the midfield is as lax and as low energy as it was in that game. And as it was at times against Leicester, um, if you're up against the midfield, like Tottenham's, it's got people like uh, Dembele and on Yama, this is going to be it's going to be a long, long afternoon, and that's not even to mention the forwards that are sat in front. 
United are really going to have to be on their very, very best form because if they're not, Spurs even at 80% will, will dismantle that United team. They really will. Um, especially if Eriksen is allowed to just pick up pockets of space and just start pinging in passes as he sees fit. That's going to be a real problem. And, and Kane, who I thought in the first game against Newcastle knackered, suddenly that game of the weekend looked great. He looked sharp. He was on it. He is... He looks as I think he is, which is the best centre forward in the Premier League, and probably has been for the past two years, him or Aguero, at anyway. And um, you know, <laughs> with someone like Lucas Moore as well, is another one that worries me as well. Just drifting in the channels out wide, he he's a good player. He was really T-O- a little bit like Tio Walcott with a Brazilian passport. He's got wheels, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has. I think he might be a little bit better than Theo Walcott. Um, I think uh, he could be a problem as well because he was a player that was bought in January, but he was essentially it was weird that everyone said Tottenham had a terrible summer transfer window, but they didn't lose anybody. And in Lucas Mori, they bought in January. He was essentially a player that was bought for this season. That was why he was there. We were linked to him, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. we were. Um, we didn't, didn't go for him, and then he probably has a add some width that I think we probably lack a little bit of to be quite honest um, so we really we really need to we really need to up our game um, I, I hope the players can respond because one thing that I can say about United in the last few years even under Van Gaal is that coming into big games and you think oh this is this is us we're going to get smashed they have pulled out a performance in big games even under Van Gaal we, we managed to do that in big matches so I'm hoping that that's what will happen. Um, but who who knows? Paul, I'm going to put you on the spot with this question just before we give our scoreline predictions. Um, when you look at the, the Spurs squad, and we mentioned that really physical, strong and technical midfield that they, they have. Yeah. Um, and they're very, very good defensively. They're entertaining on the attack. They hurt teams. Do you think... If you put the United squad together, Spurs squad together, which one would Mourinho prefer? I mean, looking at the, like you say, the physical qualities that Spurs have as well, particularly down the spine of the team. Um, you know, Mike referred to Dembele um, in particular. I've I've always took a shine to Dembele, even when he was Fantastic in his club days. Um, he, he just glides past players and he's so strong. Um he never, rarely loses out a physical battle. Um, and you can add to the pot the likes of Eric Dyer, um, Juan Yama, uh, Vertonghen, Aldeviro, Davinson Sanchez is going to be a fantastic centre-back. Um, I think those are players that Mourinho would relish to have at his disposal, um, particularly in the centre-back position. Um, like if you do think about it, right, we've a better, we've a better goalkeeper. Um, but Lloris yeah. isn't isn't exactly dreadful either. He's won the World Cup. He, he's a very yeah. very very good world player. The defense, um, as far as centre backs go, you have to give the Spurs. Um, full backs, we play wingers there. You know, um, probably give the whole defense to Spurs. Midfield, probably Spurs. Um, going forward on paper United's midfield should be able to match anybody but it just isn't should be but I also think this this midfield we have now it might be different when when Matic comes in and Fred and Pogba the three of them 
have a few games in their belt together, there might be more of an understanding, there might might be more balance. But what, from watching last season, the person then feel it just didn't click. It, it wasn't the right fit. And there's great players there on paper. But we were, we were still being overrun by teams in midfield. Um, and you, you, look, you look at teams like, like Spurs, I think Liverpool's midfield this year would be much better, be much more organised, balanced. And we'll see that. But City as well. You don't really see City being overrun midfield by teams in the league. You know, which team's capable of overrunning them? We seem to be overrun by fucking Brighton. You know, that is the difference. And up front, look, maybe a bit more of an argument. We have the players there. I'm sure Pochettino will probably get better out of. Um, the Sa- Sanchez in particular. But, like, Son was a player that came in uh, very much under the radar when he came in and was, was criticised at the very beginning during his first season. My God, he's consistent. He scores goals and important goals and he hurts teams. Tremendous we, player. We haven't even spoke about Ericsson or Kane yet. And we're speaking. Well, what I'm referring to here is is what Pochettino is getting the best at his son, and I guarantee you put him into the United team, and he would not replicate that. Fingers, Dale. Um, I would say that uh, no one needs coaching to to run around a pitch and and put the hard yards in, but do the dirty work. Yeah. Um, and even these uh, our rivals, the likes of Ericsson, um, De Bruyne, Mane, Salah, they all put the hard yards in. Um, and if they're doing it, it's it's almost infectious, if you like. If the players with this sort of stardust can put in the hard yards and put a shift in for the team, then there's no excuse for the sort of more inferior players to do it. So it, it just beggars belief that United don't have that sort of mentality. And mm. I know a lot of people uh, criticise Sanchez for his end product, um, which has been very sort of hit and miss since he's joined United. But... One thing he does have in his favour is that he puts the hard yard puts the hard yards in at all times. He doesn't shirk the dirty work. No, absolutely. Can I, can I sorry? Can I just say something on that? You you're right to, to mention those players at Liverpool and, and Spurs and, and City. One thing that I will say is that those managers will always the the, the the managers and the people running the football inside the clubs always try to create a positive atmosphere around the club. You know, you go into any workplace, if the atmosphere is just thoroughly miserable and there's no efforts to get anything positive out of it, no one's no one's gonna no one's gonna give everything. They're just not because they're gonna think, what the hell am I doing here? And the problem with United is that for the last several years that it the atmosphere around the club has been negative. And mm. that really comes back to the ownership of the club. There's been not the, the priority should be first first and foremost, forget Trophies, that's not going to happen overnight considering where we've been for the last few years. So, get winning the league, it's right. How do we get people positive about Manchester United again? How do we get people like excited? That's that's the priority. It do, doesn't, doesn't help prioritize. Ed Woodward feels the right that he can enter the dressing room after a 3 3 2 defeat to, to Brighton, like before Mourinho even gets in. That really undermines that, the manager. And it, that, that, was a, that was a disgrace. I mean, yeah. and, and, and this is something I said in the group, and it's something I said in the thing that I've written. When it comes to the football inside of things, Ed Woodward is a man with a fork in a world of soup. He's not got a fucking clue. <laughs> I mean, it's just unbelievable. Like, he might as well be picking the team. <laughs> at, oh, at, 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 at times you wonder that. Look, we want to go, jump into the questions because we're reaching the end of the podcast. But before we do that, I want to quickly round of scoreline predictions for this game against Spurs, which 
I'm looking forward to that. Well, I'm not sure about that, but Paul, scoreline prediction. So it's going to sound crazy, and I have no foundation to say this based on yesterday's performance, but I'm going off the fact that Spurs have a horrendous record at Old Trafford in recent years. And I think if we can just get any semblance of a reaction, I think we can sneak a 1 0 like last season. Okay. Raman, I know you don't like predictions, but do you, oh, do you, think, do you think we win? No. Draw? Oh, don't put me on the spot. Honestly, I don't like predictions. Every time I make a prediction, it just seems that United lose. So Right, so uh, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll skip you yeah. on that one then. Thank you. Okay, Mike, <laughs> scoreline prediction? I'm, uh, you know what? Despite everything I said, I'm going to go with Paul on this. I could see us gressing out a 1-0 win. I could really see us grinding mm. that out. I think we'll win 1-0. Um, although, probably in actuality, like Spurs will come and put about four yeah. goals past us. But I'm going to say 1-0 because... I still think in the last few years United have always responded in big games. Yeah, look, I'm going to say one all draw. I think that it's too much to ask of any manager to, to, to get something out of this group of players after that performance against Brighton in the space of a week. I think. It can't get much worse, though, Dale. Sorry? It can't get much worse. It can't get much worse because of the attitude, absolutely. And I think, it's going, I think in terms of result, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, oh, it can get worse. Over a period of time But look, we have questions And the first one comes in from Ian Johnston um, On Facebook Why does Mourinho keep persisting with wingers at fullback? Ashley Young left far too much space behind him Dragged badly out of position Exposed the middle of our defence Do you agree with that, Raman? And why does Mourinho keep persisting with wingers at fullback? Well, I think the question has to be asked is why have the last few managers persisted with a wingers acting as fullbacks? Yeah. You know, let's let's let let's let's be fair about things. Of course Jose's got quite a few things wrong. Yeah. But I think it's a bit unfair when the criticism goes directly to him for every single thing. And 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 I know that maybe that's not necessarily meant as a direct criticism, but of course, that hasn't been addressed. In my opinion, by the way, United got rid of the best defender at the club on loan, Fosu Mensah, um, who I would have definitely have kept. I would have played him at right back, and I would have persisted Great. with him. I would have persisted with him throughout, irrespective of a mistake made or not. Because not only is, is he athletic, but I think with that youthful exuberance that he's had and the added experience at Crystal Palace, for me, he should have stayed. But anyway, with regards to why does he? Because unfortunately. The options are very limited, and yet again, the recruitment hasn't been superb. In fact, it's been quite poor. You know? um, and just like the previous managers, it hasn't been addressed. So, unfortunately, he's just just making do, I think. And, and again, an area which should have been addressed hasn't been addressed. It's been the same since Sir Alex was there. Um, I would, wouldn't have really played Valencia as a, a right right back stroke, right wing back. Although, obviously, there's been gains under Fergie, who's superb. You know, under Van Gaal and Moyes, we've done, had similar problems. Luke Shaw, before his horrendous injury, I thought he could have been the answer on the left-hand side. Since then, obviously, he's had his uh, injury and, all, and a fallout, of course, or uh, been out of favour with Jose. So I think it's um, I think it's one of those that he's just trying to make the the best of a bad situation. Um, mm. that's that's my point I, I will say one other thing that I think United have got zero leaders yeah 
and I mean zero. Starting from the back, we've got the best goalkeeper in the world, but in terms of communication, I'd like to see a lot more out of David De Gea. Um, whether it's his style or not, irrespective. Yeah, yeah no. I, I've never seen that from De Gea. Do you know, like, yeah. roar, and Dale, to roar be fair, nice no, defence. Nobody at the back. Nobody in midfield. But, but, yeah, but is, that, is that something that maybe De Gea gets away with? And the defence get the blunt of? Because defence clearly isn't good enough, right? We, we, we can all agree on that. It, it has, has a lot of issues. I'd imagine other goalkeepers, and maybe goalkeepers are nowhere near as good as De Gea, they would be more vocal, um, you know, le- really making sure people are taking up the positions, not being dragged out wide, like this, this, someone that asked the question has alluded to. Is De Gea too quiet? Is, 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 that, is that his one big downfall? And is, is that adding to maybe the frustration we're having with leaking stupid, silly goals? Is, is, he, getting away, is he getting away with that? Well, no, I think it's a bit unfair to, to be critical in that respect. All I was just trying to allude to the fact is we have zero leaders. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be critical of De Gea because that's his style. And and luckily, when obviously he started his career at United, he had the likes of Vidic and Rio in front of him. So, total different ball game altogether. I don't want to be critical whatsoever of De Gea for that. Um, it's probably an area which obviously every player can improve on their on certain aspects of their game and maybe that's one area where he could certainly improve but as a wholesome for United Manchester United to have zero leaders yeah that's what a what a, con- what a worry you know what it's, a concern honestly it's massive when you see the leaders we've had in years gone by and the difference that they've made it surely it's an ingredient that all managers should try and adapt to but we move on to the next question for for um for Mike, this comes in from Noel Keeley. Um, what is going on with these supposed professional players strolling around the place, even if they hate the manager they're playing for Manchester United, and they're a disgrace to the profession and they're getting overpaid? Now, look, that might be a bit of knee jerk after one bad result, but some people argue it's a trend they've seen last season and no real drive between players. Is it being sucked out? Of them by the manager, or is, 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 are you putting this down to mercenaries, Mike? What would you put it down to? Well, in terms of the, the, the way that the players have conducted themselves, people like to talk that that's a new phenomenon. That's been going on for decades. Mm. You know, you could trace that back to Leeds United back in back in the early seventies when uh, when basically the players just stopped playing and forced Brian Clough out of the club. Um, mm. it's, it's, there's nothing new. Um, I think the problem is just the negative atmosphere is created around the club. And like I said, in any workplace, if the atmosphere around is negative, and by the way, that's not that's unfair to just blame Mourinho for that. I will, you know, you, you can't, that's not fair to just blame him. This has been going on for a long time now. It's been going on since Ferguson left, really. If the atmosphere around any workplace is negative, people are not going to perform. They're not going to perform their jobs well. And that is what is going on. And, um, you know, also chaotic recruitment. You go back to what Ramon was talking about before with the full back square pegs in round holes and all that. It's just, it's it's a perfect storm of problems that led to the kind of stuff, the kind of thing that you saw yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, it, it's there needs to be some wholesale changes and restructuring at the club. Whether that will actually happen. I'm not. I'm not optimistic about that. 
Paul, another question in from Damien Young um, from the Straight News community on Facebook. And people are laughing that, that, that they hope that Paddy Power never get into this group because of the, the fan reaction videos. But he's asked, um, we must be due our own Netflix series with all this drama. Have you, have you watched the the um, the city drama? Do you, do you think this 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 just a there's so much negativity surrounding Manchester at the moment that people are jumping on a bandwagon here? Or do you think these are all all genuine concerns? I don't think the concerns are, are totally unfounded. Um, as they say, there's the old adage: "There's no smoke without fire." Um, there's obviously rumblings behind the scenes, um, be it on the training pitch, be it with the suits that be. Uh, the, the powers that hold the hold the key to the club, um, the club is uh, facing issues from top to bottom. Let's be honest. Um, and when you've got that as a as a potent concoction, it's just going to all manifest itself into the sort of reaction that you're seeing from the majority of supporters today. So, um, in short, I don't think it is um, just jumping on the bandwagon as such. I think these are genuine concerns that um, have yet to be addressed. Um, and yeah, they're definitely valid cause for concerns, if you ask me. Yeah, we're going to finish off with a comment that we got on Facebook too from Barry McIntosh. He goes on yesterday, much as I am most other but critical of the team, I've got to say much respect to Lingard, Rashford and Shaw, I think, in brackets, for at least coming over the travelling fans, acknowledging them and showing shirts into the crowd. Others cowered off into the change room. Little things like that mean a lot, and I think I think that 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 is the main message from this podcast that it was the attitude of the players that really sets the tone for for the negativity. You know, pe- pe- people are here in, in the comments too saying that oh, fickle fans complain after one game, and that it, it's it's not that it's not the result. I don't even think really it's the performance. It's just the attitude that was shown, and and that. Um, Coming over, four, only four or five of the players coming over to the fans at the end, and there's seventeen or more. It really, really sends a bad message out. Um, there was all, often stories of Ferguson, no matter no matter what, med players go over and acknowledge the fans. And look, it's just, it's the least they can do. So look, fair play to those that came over and to to, to the likes of Pogba, um, who is not, it's not it's, we're only two weeks into the season. And there's been two incidents now with Pogba after games that that don't really give me the right tone whatsoever. Um, yes, we can say that his post-match interview interview is an improvement to take some responsibility, um, but he needs to do a lot more, a lot, lot more to to get on to get on my good books now. Especially, yeah, but he, against Leicester, he was our best player. Do you think he was our best player? Yeah. Maybe he was, but the, the the incident after the game, the comment about Mourinho, uh, or about being fined, potentially fined if he elaborates on why he was unhappy, that was really needless and unnecessary at the start of a new season when it's a fresh start, try and get this, get over this kind of hill. Um, he put Mourinho right back in that hill, and then the following but, but, week. But, but, both men have to take responsibility. Why the hell did Mourinho feel the need to shit all over Paul Pogba right after he won the World Cup? I mean, both of them need to look at themselves. I, I, don't, I don't think he did. I think if you look at the comments, he said that the environment suited Pogba, um, that it was after a few days, games, 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 he was in a camp the whole time, in the hotel the whole time, a game environment. And it's very different to that to being in a 
a domestic season. And what Mourinho didn't really slate him. And if, if Pogba thinks he slated him over the summer, Pogba is extremely, extremely soft-skinned. He, he can't take, um, you know, criticism very well if that's the case. And to be honest, if Pogba can't take criticism, he's going to be criticised criticized every day by everyone. And, he, and he's played for Manchester United. It was expected to be a leader. The point I'd like to say is that these guys are playing for Manchester United, yeah. ultimately. Pogba is an, a United Academy graduate. He knows the DNA of the club. He knows how he's been educated playing for United. You referred to Lingard and Rashford yesterday coming over to the fans, giving the shirt. That's a great touch from mm. two guys who know exactly how it feels to play for that badge. And if there was one message I could send out for the rest of the squad as slim as it sounds that they actually listen to our podcast, is that remember that you're playing for the badge. You're not playing for Jose Mourinho, ultimately. Yeah. You're playing for the club and the diehard fans. Yeah, and, and, and uh, continuing on from that, if they do that, they'll be there after Mourinho. And, 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 they, and they will see maybe see what the next manager can do. But exactly, if they can't do it now for the fans... They'll never do it. This is where we need it most. Everyone's slagging United off. Everyone's looking for United to fail. Media are talking about crisis constantly and making absolute big deals out of everything Mourinho says. The players, can't, the players can't stand up now. They never will. And there's too many there that are taking their salaries every week uh, and putting in lacklustre displays and showing they don't give a shit. So if they don't give a shit, when are they going to start? They can't put that down to the manager. That, that, that's their... That's their personality. That's their their way. Dale, do... you're absolutely right. Dale, you're right. Players need to be stand up and, and be counted. But also, uh, just one one other point I'd like to make is, it's about time Mr. Woodward stood up and be counted, yeah. and not just yeah. players. Liverpool, as much as I absolutely despise them, <laughs> you know what? They made an absolutely fantastic decision in changing Ian Eyre. Now, Ian Eyre, I had the, the, the good fortune of actually spending time speaking to him uh, at a totally different event completely. Uh, a great guy, but in terms of being the right... Uh, uh, man for chair, the job. CEO for Liverpool, he he wasn't the man. Yeah. He wasn't the man. Because it, what Ian Eyre brought to Liverpool was similar to what Woodward was bringing to Manchester United in terms of commercial deals. You know, off the field activities, absolutely superb. Manchester United yet again made this much millions, this much fantastic, great. We've got this sponsorship. I think we've had more sponsorship deals than uh, summer transfer window uh, signings, uh, full stop. Yeah. Which, okay, great. But Liverpool made a very, very, very conscious decision. They realised because the manager had pressurised them a little bit as well to say, look, I'm not getting the players I want. Which, if you equate it to the same as what Mourinho possibly has been going through the last few months, the problem isn't necessarily just Mourinho either. Look at your main man, Mr. Woodward. If he isn't pulling the strings, if he's not getting the people you want, maybe it's about time he got replaced. Because that's Agreed. What, yeah, that's he should what, be. That's what Liverpool done. They took the plunge, you know, sort of like gently eased off uh, Ian Air. And then obviously brought in whoever else they wanted to that was the right man for the job to work with Jurgen Klopp to identify the targets they want. Since then, obviously, yeah, fine, they've reached the Champions League final. But, they, but they've done so by signing, signing certain players. Those players have made a difference. Can you imagine if Javier Ribalta was still around? Maybe we'll never know the truth of the reason why he left. This is a guy who in European football is extremely well respected. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, you know, and you know what? It, it actually annoys me. 
when you go on about that and you say like it's so well respected that we didn't take advantage of that we clearly did that's right absolutely that's what and i think that's why during the podcast i felt so frustrated about so many points was because it wasn't just even yesterday's performance it's everything as a collective yeah. off the field players attitudes the bickering and i'm glad that you made the point there earlier on where you said you know you're playing for the badge yeah, I hope some of the players do get a chance to listen to this podcast because ultimately, whatever's going on, when you're on that pitch, we all have personal problems, we all have personal issues. You know, David Silva played out of his skin for Man City whilst obviously his son was poorly in hospital. Yeah. You know, you have to perform as a professional, irrespective of who you're playing for, as a ma- who your manager is. Mm. You're playing for the badge, it's your job, it's your profession. You have to be on the ball all the time. Everybody has problems. Everybody has issues. You know, I, I cut a bit of slack for Martial last year um, or the year before when uh, he split up with his girlfriend. I thought, well, maybe he's had these personal issues, personal problems. You know, but again, I'm getting nothing more out of him. <laughs> nothing. I watched and he's... Barcelona the other night against Alvarez and Dembele is a player I managed yeah. to speak about. And... Over the summer, I drew so many parallels with Martial mm-hmm. and Dembele. They played on the same flank, have similar similar traits, but at the end of it all, they're not getting the most out of men, most out of themselves. They, 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 yeah. they, they're being stalled because they're arguing with managers and there's so much off-field off problems and stuff. And it's an absolute shame. Two absolutely brilliant players great prospects but they're, they're, they're not edging anymore and it, it all comes down to and this comes back to the players of wanting it more now I don't think Jesse Lingard is at the same standard of Anthony Martial but I think Jesse Lingard will outpass him because he wants that he wants he wants to improve he wants he's always always trying to work hard and it's called the desire the hunger yeah. absolutely desire hunger everything it's it's way above Martial's level. Yeah, way ab- look, look at Gary Neville, for example. Gary Neville wasn't um, busting through the U Academy. He's this world-class fullback that's going to set the world alive. He worked hard. He, he, he knew he didn't have that technical ability that other players had. And the same goes for Roy Keane. Roy Keane didn't have <laughs> unbelievable technical ability. He worked hard. And, if, if you, and, and if, Dale, is it... Is it any surprise that Jose likes Scott McTominay so much? Yeah, exactly. And this all comes with hard work and ethic. If Mourinho yeah. sees a player wants to play for him, it's going to, it, that that will work. If you told Roy Keane or Gary Neville when they were 16, 17, go out and eat a pile of Leafs and you'll be a better footballer, I guarantee you they'd do it. If you'd said that to Martial or, or someone else, they'd be too busy on their phone updating Instagram or whatever to care about their footballing career. And they, and, they, and they don't like to be criticised either. Whereas the likes of Gary Neville and that grew up, Ferguson there, and I guarantee they, they took criticism. They weren't off moaning to agents, with agents leaking to the press that um, my client wishes to leave Manchester United, like Man- Anthony Martial did. They got on with it, because they knew at Manchester United they would better themselves as players. And I don't see that with this group, and it's a massive issue. Look, it's a collective issue. Mourinho's problems, players have problems, the owners, Woodward, so on. It, 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 it roots to the Glazers. But so many people at this club need to look at themselves in the coming weeks and to get our season back on track. I'm not saying it's off track yet, but it, it could very, very quickly happen until people I, start looking at themselves. 
I just wonder whether maybe it just behooves certain senior players if they don't feel the manager's up to it. Maybe it's just time to just step up and sort it out themselves. Yeah, you know, it's not it's not unknown for players to do that. If you were to look at say the right. Germany team from the 1974 World Cup, their manager had a nervous breakdown in the group stages, and essentially what you had was Franz Beckenbauer and a group of other senior players essentially took over the running of the team. Um, I remember Frank de Boer saying during the World Cup how the Holland team the late 1990s essentially just managed themselves Gus Hiddink was almost a general manager really he wasn't really a manager um, because the players could be relied upon to, 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 to sort out tactical issues themselves and yes yeah, yeah, yeah. but ultimately they all have yeah and I, I, well I think Popper is a leader but he needs to stop trying to play politics um, mm. And the club needs to make a decision with him and Mourinho because one of them is going to have to go. I think that's the only way you're going to solve that problem. If this continues, um, but, yes, 100%. I think. I think the, I, yeah, I think the priority, yes, as as Raman said, is to is to is to start looking at players. It doesn't matter how old they are who are leaders. If you look at Davinson Sanchez for Tottenham, he's only 21. But there's no question of that guy's uh, psychological fortitude and his qualities at the back. I mean, he's essentially bought as a replacement. He's essentially a replacement for Toby Alderweireld because the club know that they can rely upon him to do, to be that guy that's going to replace Alderweireld when he goes. Yeah. So I think United need to be looking towards players who are who are leaders and can step up and take charge of a situation. You know, be I remember Van Gaal once using the phrase "coaches on the field." I think that's what United need. Right yeah. now, yeah. Roy Keane was one of those, and the, he he's going to come up in a, a future podcast. We'll have a big debate on on Roy Keane potentially becoming it, Manchester United one day. <laughs> Never, uh, it's not just Roy Keane. That whole team was full of them, by the way. That whole team was full of those players. You looked at guys like, um, you know, I think Beckham. He might not have been a vocal leader, but he was a leader. He knew what yeah. he was doing. Um, I think if you look at Ryan Giggs, you know Gary Neville. Um, you had Yap Stam there at one time. If you look at the later teams, you know, you have Real Ferdinand, Nemanja Vidic, Cristiano Ronaldo, even Wayne Rooney to some extent, Edwin van der Sar. It was a team, teams full of Michael Carrick. These are teams full of players who, as a manager, you could go, you could give fairly minimal instructions to before again because everyone knew what they were going to go out and do. Mm. And this is why a wholesale just re-evaluation and branch reform of how United recruit players and coaches and managers needs to be looked at because the recruitment has been so chaotic that there is no approach. You know, I think United needs to really just outline and formalise an approach to how we're going to move forward. A, how we're going to get people excited about the club again and B, mentally, personality is what kind of players do we want in the team? I don't want people who are unquestioning robots, which I suspect... You know, while I admire the qualities of people like McTominay, I think Mourinho prefers players that don't question him, which is a bit of a problem. If you looked at Roy Keane, Roy Keane would step up and question a manager sometimes if he felt, well, hang on a minute, I don't like that. And Gary Neville was, was more than happy to do that as well. I think that's what you need. You need players who are going to be willing to challenge each other, who are going to challenge themselves and, and challenge anyone else if they think a question has been raised. And those mm-hmm. players are not there at the club right now. Oh, absolutely agree. Look, we've been on for about an hour and ten minutes. Um, I think we've all got a lot off our chest today after that shambolic performance. But hopefully next week on Tuesday we'll bring out the next podcast today after Spurs. That it's a bit more upbeat 
Um, I don't expect it to be, but hopefully it's slightly more upbeat. And the players giving a performance that they show they're, they're there for the fight. And that that's to be honest, that's all I'm asking for next week. Um, I'm I'm not hoping. Or I, I I'm not really expecting a win. I just want to see the players go out um, with a bit of dignity um, and to show that they're there for the cause. Otherwise, I think Mourinho needs needs to have a, a, a long talk with Woodward and get a lot of players out if, if they're not up for it because otherwise his job is basically pissing in the wind because the players won't listen. It, it, what's the point? Um, so many people need to look at themselves. But look, before we finish, um, Paul, do you want to let people know where they can follow you and, and read your work? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at RollsPaul. I know Dale plugs a lot of my work, a lot of my articles, so you probably seen my name banded about, but yeah, that's my name, Rolls Paul. Follow the brand, Paul, follow the brand. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mike, where can we follow you? Uh, Twitter is um, at Mike underscore Loudmouth. Uh, I am writing for the website again. I'm finally back into some sort of routine after moving out of London um, in the last few weeks. Um, you can also find my work on Medium and uh, Northern Loudmouth, uh, northernloudmouth.tumblr.com as well. Brilliant stuff. And Raman, where can we get your updates from you games, first in games and so on? Um, on Twitter, Roman7Paul, and on Instagram, tw- uh, Roman7Paul as well. But uh, I'll try to be uh, I'll try to be more structured next time uh, if I'm on next time because I think I digress far too much today. So apologies for that. I think no. that's the frustration no. growing out it's of natural. yesterday. But, uh, it's natural of a football fan to... to you weren't the only one. Can, 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 can you imagine <laughs> if we recorded this straight after the game? It'd be a lot, lot different. That's why I like to kind of cool down. It'd be like Arsenal. It'd be like Arsenal fan TV. Or is it AFTV now because they're after taking the branding off from the club? Um, but yeah, they, they've, they've, they've already been calling for Emery out. But um, look, that's that. Um, I, I'm not sure if I can say. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I don't think any United fan is enjoying their Monday this week after last night, after yesterday. But um, hopefully the rest of the week we, we get some good news, more players return, more players are fit and hopefully some players are actually in the fucking mood to play for Manchester United. Um, so we'll leave you on that note. Thanks for listening. Give us a nice review on iTunes or whatever you're listening on and um, some feedback on social media if possible. My name is Dale O'Donnell and you can follow me at O'Donnell Dale or at Strati News. Thanks for listening. Still Giggs goes, he's through, he's scored! Ryan Giggs, he's at the goal that's running for Manchester United! To the left, right footed, it's a clear header, and there's an internet! Soccer has won the European Cup for Manchester United!
Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.